Welcome back to the Inside Sports Nutrition Podcast, your source for all things sports nutrition related. This show is hosted by myself, Dina Griffin, and my co-host, Bob Sibahar. We are both registered dietitians and board-certified specialists in sports dietetics with combined professional experience exceeding 40 years. We're here to help provide translations of nutrition and sports science to real life give you interviews with a variety of athletes and experts where you enhance your knowledge and bring a fun nutrition conversation to you each week. In this episode number 76, we are talking with professional ultra runner Hillary Allen, who is based here out of Boulder, Colorado. Not only is Hillary a professional ultra runner, with a racing career that features numerous wins and podium finishes. She is also a gravel cyclist, a running coach, a podcast co-host, a speaker, an author, and a scientist. So she's extra fun to talk nutrition science with too. Stay tuned for this episode. You'll hear more about how she got into ultra running and sky running, hear about her nutrition and food journey, and hear about her recovery from the near-fatal fall she had while she was racing in Norway in 2017 and broke several bones, was told she would never run again. But she is back, stronger than ever. Hillary is such an amazing athlete. And I love this quote from her book, Out and Back, which I highly recommend. She said in regards to having setbacks and things, we aren't automatically ready when tough things happen to us. They usually catch us by surprise and seem like an unwelcomed burden or obstacle, but we are instinctively prepared. If we are willing to welcome the discomfort that comes with growth and change, we can begin to shift our perspective and learn from those experiences. So check out hillaryallen.com get the book out and back it is well worth it even if you are not a runner or, or ultra runner there are so many life lessons that you can apply to your own life journey so stay tuned for this episode and real quick we wanted to uh, congratulate our podcast publisher and podcast guru Don Reichelt, he recently did the Cocodona 250 mile race in Arizona. So we just wanted to give him a shout out and a big virtual finish line hug from here. Congratulations, Don. And lastly, check out All Around Snack Co. to get your yummy, super tasty snacks that are low in added sugars, contain zero dyes, no colorings, no additives, help you control blood sugar for steady energy levels throughout the day all around snackco.com you'll find some great options there for snacks and goodies that you can add into your day no matter if you are a parent or you have kiddos or you're an athlete it's really for anyone and you can use the code ISN podcast 23 to save 15% off your order on the allaroundsnackco.com website. All right, let's get to episode number 76. Thanks so much for being here. I am so delighted for our special guest today. I mean, I I was going to look in the thesaurus for words that are similar to resilient and inspiring 
fast, amazing, and all these things, but it would it would take the whole episode to describe this individual. So instead, we'll just move to the welcome Hillary Allen Hilly Goat to our podcast. Oh, thanks so much. I'm really thrilled to be here. <laughs> oh, we're so excited to have you join us today. Thank you so much. I I want to know how you started your morning. Hillary, like fluids, fuel, or, you know, any kind of meal you had, what, what's happened so far? Cause we're recording this mid morning. So I'm just curious what, how you've started your day. Yeah. So today is a little bit different than most, like normally I would have had kind of gone for, for a run before. Um, but usually my morning routine is, is pretty much the same. Um, this morning I, I love my, my coffee. So I have a little bit of coffee. Um, and, uh, I'm a big breakfast person. Uh, I think it is the most important meal of the day. (laughs) And so before I do anything, um, yeah, I, I usually have some breakfast. So it kind of depends, but today was like, I usually try to mix it with some protein. This is literally from advice from you, Dina, (laughs) um, like having protein throughout the day, but, you know, having some sort of yogurt and, um, like a fruit. And if I'm running, I usually have a smaller one, but yeah, then I, you know, did some mobility, did some reading. I was reading some David Sedaris this morning. So I had a good chuckle and, (laughs) uh, I went to, to Revo, um, my gym. And so I did some some lifting and, um, some mobility and then it's nice today. So I'm going to go for a bike ride. So, um, that's also why I didn't kind of do something first thing in the morning because it was cold. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And you were describing before we push the record button that you've got a special coffee concoction. What was the name of it again? Yeah. A shot in the dark. Shot um, in the dark. Yeah. So then of course, like if we're, if we're, if we're talking about fueling, I mean, even if, you know, I'm doing something a little bit different, like I'm running a little bit less, but I'm still like doing still a lot of activity, but just in a different form. You know, I had my breakfast before I went to, to Revo. And then after Revo, I had a little snack here at Spruce, (laughs) my favorite coffee shop with some, with a little bit, a little bit of coffee. And, uh, so I can, you know, be, be fueled for the rest of my, my activities today. (laughs) So awesome. I know in your book, which we will put all the links for everything and your website and, and all, but your, uh, book from the out and back book, you mentioned as part of your upbringing that you spent a lot of time in the outdoors, which obviously continues in your adulthood. (laughs) Um, but I think you mentioned skiing with family and camping and spending a lot of summertime outside and, and winter for that matter. So I wondered if you could walk us through some of your background in terms of the athletic Hillary and how this yeah. evolution um, came to be. And then even just how you got into sky running and ultra running. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a question I love because I think um, I'm not a parent, but I think um, parents and people who are influencing the younger generation, whether it's a coach or, you know, just, you know, an aunt and uncle or a mentor, they have so much impact on how someone sees the world at a young age and then that carries into adulthood. So my, my parents are both very athletic, um, very outdoorsy people. They themselves met and spent their whole time dating, like hiking different 14ers, um, and camping around. Um, and so that kind of, and they're both scientists as well. So they're very high functioning individuals. So I had this, like this, this kind of 
to have seen the world in like this view of curiosity, like we could ask these scientific questions about the world and then see it in real life, like experience nature. And so I, I say that I spent my childhood like outside my, my father had the summers off. So we would go in our little camper van and we'd go, um, we'd go camping all around the, the, like visiting the national parks and the American West. Um, and you know, before I could walk, I was like in a backpack on my mom, like, you know, just in a like baby Bjorn, like trying to grab yes. things and like, <laughs> um, and then that was kind of in the winter too. It was, um, not just like we had to get outside. We'd go skiing as a family. Um, but it was just very outdoorsy. And so, um, also, I mean, I think there was expectation that I, you know, I was always interested in sports as a, as a young girl, I was, I had, um, a lot of energy and I wanted to try all these different sports and I had more coordination than say my older sister, who was like a really good runner. Um, I didn't just want to run. I found it like kind of boring. I wanted to play ball sports and, um, so I was always doing some sort of sport, but it was never the, like, I only did sport basically to, and uh, like to, to support my, like my mind in a different way. I was always really focused in school. Um, and so it was always kind of both. I was never just an athlete. I was always like kind of into sports because I, it just made me, I think a more higher functioning individual, um, from a young age. Right. Um, and yeah, I think like into adulthood, like, I mean, I played tennis in college and while I was majoring in, in chemistry, um, and, you know, it was, I was always just kind of, I, it was a both and situation. I needed, I needed both of them. And, um, I felt one kind of enhanced the other. And then it wasn't until graduate school that I actually found like just the sport of running because tennis became like too costly from a time point of view and a money point of view. And so I, um, in graduate school, I was in a neuroscience PhD program and, um, I understood more than anyone that I needed kind of the, the, to let my mind breathe. Um, and that came in the form of exercise. Um, and that's kind of when I switched over to running and I literally just stumbled upon the sport of, of trail running and ultra running and sky running. Um, and it was a kind of a quick progression. Uh, but I honestly found it because I needed that outlet from like a, from a break from academia. But then once I found trail running, it was just like, like, I never really cared much for, for road running. Um, yeah, I just, I found, I found like trail running just to be this incredible merge of, uh, experiencing science in nature, getting to observe, um, how things change the wildlife. And it was also this kind of like perfect, like closing of the circle and like almost like starting a new one of like my childhood and then getting to explore kind of trails and, and the outdoors, um, as an adult, um, and kind of re-experiencing that childlike play, uh, out on the trails. Um, yeah. Hillary, where did you go to school at? I went to undergrad in Iowa. Okay. Don't recommend it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no offense. I mean, I just, I think you, I need to learn. Um, I think it's important to learn what you don't want in places right. that you don't want to live. And I found yeah. that out that I do not like the Midwest. I love the people, but just not the landscape. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but I went to graduate school at CU in Denver. Okay. That's why I was trying to kind of 
put the pieces together of trail running. I'm like, did you, where did you go to school? Cause yeah. I mean, obviously in Iowa, now I've been to Iowa a few times and I mean, there are trails there, but yeah. it's, not, you know, it's not Colorado trails. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Right. Okay. Yeah. Could you, I mean, yeah. Could you real quick? Cause I think some of our listeners are like, did Dina say sky running? Like what, can you just, yeah. for our listeners, what is sky running versus ultra running? Totally. So there's a lot of different things that happen in trail running. So first of all, trail running is anything that's off the road. It can literally be on a dirt path. Um, there's plenty of 50 kilometer races, which is like a 31 miles, anything more than a marathon qualifies as an ultra, but trail runs could actually happen sub ultra. Like there's the trail mm-hmm. marathon, there's the trail, you know, a half, a half marathon. Um, so it's anything that's off the road. Now, there's different categories. And of course, in the United States, there's, I live in Colorado, but an ultra in Colorado is totally different than an ultra or even a trail run in Iowa. Mm -hmm. So there's a huge amount of variation from like very fast and flat running um, on trails to um, very mountainous uh, races that occur here in Colorado. Like for instance, Hard Rock 100, right? It's a hundred mile race, like through the San Juan mountains has like over 30,000 feet of elevation gain. It's insane versus, um, Let's say there's a Rocky Raccoon race in Texas that's literally fast and flat, and it's also 100 miles. Um, So there's different um, definitions of trail running. There's also ultra running that occurs on a track, like where you're trying to like run as fast as you can for 100 miles or like break world records for, you know, number distance run and X number of hours. Um, So sky running is a type of trail running. and a type of like ultra distance trail run um, that I found my way into. So sky running is just basically very steep terrain. Um, so uh, it, it got its start in Europe. Um, it's, they don't like switchbacks there. They just like to go up the mountain straight. <laughs> um, so they have like less rules with that than we do here in the States. Um, but basically the steepest way that you can kind of get up to a peak and then back down it. Um, so I was doing like the ultra sky distance where I was around like 50 K. So around 31 miles where you would gain about four, 12 to 14,000 feet in 31 miles. Um, wow. And of course you have to descend it too. So oh, yeah. um, it is very, it is very, uh, it's, it's just steep. And there's a lot of, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's like running involved, but the reason why I liked it too, is because there's also hiking. You get to a point oh. where it's so steep that you just like, you end up hiking fast uphill. Um, so like, you know, are you, are you kind of crawling like kind of like a, a Spider-Man kind of a thing sometimes. at some points? Okay. Sometimes yeah. it's like, there's like ridges, right. Yeah. You can kind of like use a hand to stabilize yourself for kind of like on, um, right. Yeah, I, I do the like hands on knees thing because it's just so yep, steep. Yep. <laughs> so when did, did you get into sky running during your grad studies in Colorado or was that? I did. Okay. Okay. So mm-hmm. you were just shooting up the mountain or shooting up to the mountains and being like, oh, you look yeah. up and like, I could get to the top of that. Totally. And that was like, honestly, my favorite form of running is like yeah. going to a peak. And like, I love that curiosity aspect of asking a question, like, can I get there? Mm. Or I wonder what that looks like. And then, and I love elevation and high altitude and being in the high country in the summer. And so um, it was just kind of a natural uh, progression for me. And I found that I had a, uh, I have this nickname, the hilly goat that Dina yeah. said. Um, and uh, I just had this knack for, for running uphill. Um and so we had sky running at my first actually like designated season for trail running was in 2014. And I ended up winning the U S sky running series. And then, um, 
that kind of was the start of my career. Uh, I competed in the, in the, uh, world skyrunning series after that, um, and was kind of just traveling around to different races, predominantly in Europe, racing these sky races. Nice. Nice. Well, let's, so I think it, let's, let's kind of put the nutrition aspect into this. And so growing <laughs> up as a very active female, multi-sports, you, you kind of segmented into tennis and in, in your undergrad, can you kind of take us through like, what was your, what was your food journey? What was your nutrition like growing up middle school, high school, college, and then maybe compare and contrast to when you actually started to race professionally as a sky runner, ultra runner? Oh, this is such a good question. And it's one that I particularly love because, um, my, my father is a huge, um, impact in this. Uh, he's a, he is a, he, well, he's retired now. So he was a university professor at Colorado state university. So I grew up in Fort Collins, Colorado and, um, Oh yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> and, um, he, I mean, I'm in Boulder, so I can't, you know, wear my C Yeah. 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 <laughs> you gotta be careful. Yeah, especially with the new coach here, whatever. I'm just going to do it. Um, oh, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, he was a food science, human nutrition, uh, researcher. No, so, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Dude, did you know that? And I didn't know. I, didn't tell I that. think maybe I've told you this, Dina, but like, this is also part of my passion for like chemistry and biochemistry oh, and makes like, sense. I love it so much. And it's something that's actually, and I'll get into this later, like helped my progression as an, as an athlete. Cause I understand from like a mechanistic standpoint, mm. what is happening in the body. And of course, like when I was growing up, I didn't necessarily know that I was very curious and my dad did. And so, you know, like he was the one at the dinner table, literally debunking all of these, like, you know, diet fads and like culture. And like, you know, we were the first ones like before, like smart balance, like butter or all this stuff was like, kind of like <laughs> popular. He'd be like, yeah, okay, let's get some like omega-3s in here because he was researching that stuff and like you know wow. I remember Time Magazine this is when I was in graduate school um finally put on the cover like fat is not bad for you yeah. or something like this a piece of bacon yeah. and mm-hmm. I was like dude oh, come on get up with the times my dad has been telling me this for 10 <laughs> years like fat is the most important thing in the body like he was telling me about like lipid rafts and all this yeah. stuff and like wow. not just fat but like had an understanding of like what makes up fat, right? It's not just like people think about, oh, cholesterol is bad. But like if you eat cholesterol, that actually doesn't matter. It's actually yeah. the types of fatty acids that make up the cholesterol that are bad. So, um, and it's, so I had this understanding that, and I would ask my dad, like as I was learning chemistry, as I was learning biochemistry. Um, and so I had this understanding even before I was an athlete. Um, I mean, like a professional athlete, right? Um, but I've always approached it from a scientific point of view and been like skeptical of diet culture for one, but also, um, just the fads that kind of come and go. Um, and so my transition into, you know, ultra running. And also this is another like person who has, who's been of great influence to me, my coach, Adam St. Pierre, you know, it's not really, especially as a, as a woman and, and I think runners, right. It's like women do cardio to like lose weight or stay in shape. Um, it's not really talked about. It's like, why would you fuel your run? Like, isn't that like not the point? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, like my coach debunked that right away. Um, and you know, he was very scientist again. Um, he was a Nordic ski coach, and there's a lot of research in that realm from, you know, like the famous study of like 
like Nordic, like of, of speed walkers and Nordic racers doing like a fat adapted mm-hmm. diet. So we would talk through that, like the places in it, the place, the merits that it had, and then like where it's kind of bullshit. Can I say that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, it influenced my training um, and how I, you know, would prepare for these races, like fueling and um, bringing adequate, like, you know, fueling my workouts, making sure that I, you know, eat before, um, before I run. But, you know, my also, and I will probably get into this too, but my, my injury history and um, my, like an ultra endurance sport as I've kind of gone up in distance, like I've had to be very diligent about, about this stuff. And it's also been learning on my part of like, sure, you can, you need to fuel yourself and eat enough. Um, but it's the timing that really matters. And so, um, like I try to support that with, uh, with research, but also kind of like my experience as an athlete. And it's, it's, I've always kind of had this idea of like that I need to fuel my runs, but now it's even gotten even a little bit more, um, more nuanced throughout it. And it's, I think it just comes from the background of a, my dad, like the scientific approach, but then also, um, you know, my coach, uh, Adam and, uh, mute thinking of like running at, as longevity, like me wanting to do mm-hmm. this and, and move my whole life and not, um, making short-term sacrifices for long-term health right. um yeah. and yeah but so it, i yeah hillary i work with a lot of collegiate athletes and your story is really interesting and i want to ask you this because i have some who kind of grew up in a similar manner you did like 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 and i would just put you know there were good resources surrounding food when you were growing mm-hmm. up but then you go to college and this is what I kind of have a problem with the college, the collegiate athletes I work with. They're like, Oh my gosh, I used to do all this. And now I'm, this is the cafeteria and this is what I have. Like, was that a hard transition for you? And what did, like, did you have to do anything special to make that transition? Right. Like, I think that is, that is, can be difficult, but also I, I think it's kind of a difference in culture. I grew up with my mom cooking every single meal. Like we didn't really go out to dinner. Like that was, you know, we a, didn't have enough money. And um, yeah, it was just kind of like how we grew up. Uh, so I think that that's different, um, you know, and I knew what to eat um, right. because I knew what was like healthy. Um, and I don't really like that word to like put a label on yeah, it. Like, yeah. I still think you can be healthy and you eat like ice cream every night. You know what yeah, I mean? Like it's, totally. it's a matter of like balance and, and figuring that out. So I did have that, but I mean, in college, I actually had an eating disorder and mm-hmm. like, it's, it's, this is also kind of plays into my story of like knowing that I need to fuel myself to be able mm-hmm. to perform because mm-hmm. when I was in, in, in college, what happened to me more socially is like, yes, I knew what to eat and I knew what was going to support my body and to like, listen to my hunger cues and, um, what I was, you know, like what I was craving, but then like from a energetic and, um, like needs base, but, um, it was more the social pressure of being in like a lot of a group of women who kind of got like competitive in a weird way. Um, in tennis, like you wear skirts and freaking dresses yeah. and that was not my style. Um, but you know, it was more of that that kind of messed with my mind. Like I knew what to do, but then instead of listening to my body, I started to listen to social cues mm-hmm. and it took me a while to kind of like correct that and kind of go back to this evidence-based, um, approach and 
it's honestly running and ultra running. It might seem like, hmm, does she like still have a problem? Because like, that's kind of like excessive to be ultra running. If you have a history of an eating disorder, like, is that actually healthy? But for me, I say it took me a long time um, to get there. And really, um, I literally just made a pact with myself that unless I was fueling myself to do this sport that demanded so much of my body, uh, like, I couldn't be in like this eating disorder mindset anymore. So in many ways, like it, it helped kind of bring me out of that and um, yeah, kind of stop that social comparison. Cause if like, this is something that I want to do, I need to fuel my body to, yeah. to do this. Yeah. It's, it's like a, a journey in and of itself, right? Mm-hmm. This evolution and, and, Hillary, they, there may be some listeners here who don't know when you referenced a minute ago uh, injury history. So there, <laughs> there may be a few here who don't know the the story about the um, Tromso Norway mm-hmm. near fatal uh, <laughs> incident. So I wondered if you could share a bit of that. Of course, uh, the book is fantastic yeah. in going through all of that. But can you share this part of your journey? Yeah. So, you know, I mentioned I was in sky running and um, it can get pretty steep and vertical at times. And like you use your hands and like you're not really running because it's so steep and it's technical. Well, I was on that, you know, like world sky running series journey um, and like literally chasing the top ranks. Like I wanted to be ranked number one in the world. And um, at 2017, I had gotten to that point, like I was having an amazing season and I was traveling around to these different races and I went to this race in Tromso, which was um, kind of an iconic sky race in the series. And it was at this race that at the halfway point, kind of to my best recollection, um, you know, one moment I was running and the next I was turned upside down. And something happened where I basically stepped on a rock that gave way underneath my foot and I wasn't able to like catch myself. And I ended up falling off of this cliff um like this ridge line um in total 150 feet and I you know hit the ground several times like it was this is a dream I still have it's like very it's very vivid in my mind of like bouncing and rolling on this ridge line and um this is literally chapter one of my book um and yeah it was one of these moments that was just life-changing for me I was literally on like this trajectory you know limitless discovering where I could go and like this world of sport and then in a moment it was literally all stripped away from me and I had no idea um, if I was ever going to return to sport if I was ever going to want to return to sport I mean it's tough to sum up you know succinctly how impactful this moment was I mean I was lucky to be alive I mean I broke 14 bones. Um, I had, you know, three surgeries right out the gate. Um, luckily I didn't fracture my skull. I wasn't paralyzed, but like there's people that I know that have fallen less and have had more severe injuries. So I was, I was lucky. Right. But it was after that moment, I've, I've, I'm different. Right. It's like one of these moments in my life where it's like, life was like, like, it's like almost like a timely timeline, you know, it's like, we still do like, literally it's like 2023, right. That's like AD. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. For me, it's BF before the fall and yeah. <laughs> like AF after the fall. So it's like, 
there's the moment in time where things are different. Um, and, and you were told you wouldn't run again, right? One of the doctors kind of made that comment. I wondered how much that stuck in your head as either like getting into that depressive state or then at another point, another medical professional is like, you, you got to pick yourself back up. And then that shift to, okay, I have choice now how I'm going to come out of this, yeah. even though not knowing the journey ahead that would come. Right. Like I have never, I have never actually broken a bone until that point. Oh, okay. And so yeah. this was all new territory for me. And I mean, I appreciated the doctor being frank and telling me like, okay, like you might not run ever again. Um, and it was kind of like just this like guttural, like reality check. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, I was already depressed at that point and like kind of feeling hopeless, but it was almost, it kind of gave back the power to me um, because I got to choose then if I wanted to try and I knew how hard it was going to be because it the outcome wasn't guaranteed. I had no idea if I could, but um, yeah, in, in a way it kind of gave me autonomy and um, it was an invitation for me to start like to try to choose to trust again, to trust my body, to see if I even wanted to do this again um but yeah I mean that that it's a process of like self-discovery and it's it's never easy um change and change is never easy just like growth it's like painful at some at, at some point many points yeah Hillary did you have to do anything special in the like post-surgery nutrition recovery because that's 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 hot you know when, whenever oh. anybody does you know anybody has injuries but what did you do differently I was eating a lot of like bone broth um mm. my first inkling is like well I'm not running like am I gonna mm. like I don't need to eat as much I was no. hungry all of the time I oh, can't I tell you how much like and I even, I lost weight because like my muscles were just like eating themselves and like, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't using them as much, but I was like, I was hungry because your body just like, it needs so many, I had like 14 bones to break and like a yeah. ligament bones to heal and the ligament healing. So I ate a lot. I worked with, um, Kelly Newlin at rad real mm -hmm. athlete diets here in Boulder. She helped because mm -hmm. I couldn't cook. I yeah. had both wrists that were, I literally couldn't mm -hmm. cook. Both wrists were broken and had plates in them. And I, so she was making me these nutritious meals. Like I had to like, make sure I had my protein con content. I was like supplementing with collagen and made sure I was getting all my like vitamins. Um, but yeah, I think my first instinct was like, oh, like you need to go on a diet or like, yeah. you know, but I'm like, uh, uh, okay. you can't do this. Um, and then even though I was eating a lot, like I actually, and this is like, I think a first inkling, um, that maybe people aren't eating enough, um, or that your body is like, you know, in like, um, repair mode or that something that needs more calories, I think, um, mm -hmm. is I lost my period for like mm -hmm. six to 10 months mm -hmm. when I was like healing this. And I was still like on top of my nutrition, but it was just like, my body was devoting that estrogen to bone repair to other mm -hmm. things than like, um, but yeah, it was, um, that was like a big thing is that when I got that back, um, I was kind of like, okay, like I'm, I'm, I'm on the right track. Uh, but yeah, and that, that is so common with athletes after surgery. I see that all the time. They're like, oh no, I'm not training. Therefore I'm not going to eat. And it's the exact opposite. I mean, you have such high energy expenditure after surgeries and 
oh my gosh. So yeah, yeah. good, good for you for trying to get those calories and the protein <laughs> back in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Do you, have, have you since, since then, and since getting back into running, like, do you have a different approach to training nutrition, anything now that you're kind of back? I mean, did, did that significant, yeah. significantly impact your outlook for training or nutrition for ultra and sky running? Yes. So, and since that initial accident, I've had some other injuries where I've kind of had to like, you know, like look into, <laughs> um, specifically like fueling, um, or just be more on top of it because I feel like I've, I've been, um, overall good at it, like making sure I get in enough calories, like eat enough, eat enough protein. But like, I mean, I've, you know, met with Dina before, which is after my last foot injury, um, and this is something really that I learned, like, um, timing of nutrition, especially for women really matters, like really being diligent about literally never running in a fasted state. Hmm. Um, and you know, it's, there's a trainability to it with the athletes that I coach. It's like, Oh, I don't eat breakfast in the morning, but I have coffee. It's like, if you have time for coffee, you have time to eat a piece of toast, like, <laughs> come on. or if you don't want to do that, just pour a heap of half and half in there. Like, come on. Um, yeah. <laughs> But, um, it's just something that I am just very, um, deliberate and like unapologetic about. And it's like eating before I run and I'm not asking people to eat like a hamburger. Like it's right. like, you know, yeah. one to 200 yeah. calories is not that much. Um, but then any run over 90 minutes, making sure that I bring something to have with me to, mm. to eat. And, um, then also after I run, like timing my nutrition and my recovery, and Dina has said something about this it doesn't always have to be like a protein shake or, you know, like, a, you know, uh, like a shake form of something. But yeah. like if I'm driving to a trailhead and I'm not going to be back at my house until 30 minutes to an hour later, I'm going to bring something to have with me, like making sure I eat a meal like or like some food, uh, mm -hmm. you know, within that hour window of, you know, and having a mix of proteins and carbs and um, but just eating food, like it's, it's literally timing your nutrition after important and key workouts. And yeah. that changes everything because I learned, you know, cortisol levels are, are like high for stress, but also like, mm. you know, training the stress and the easiest thing to turn off cortisol is sugar yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like blood sugar in particular. So, um, but if like, you know, you are kind of good at nutrition, but like not really, and you kind of go directly from a long run to like a meeting and you don't have something, well, that cortisol level is like still there. It's like a leaky pipe. Like it's like drip, drip, dripping on the floor. And maybe eventually you'll eat and you'll turn it off, but you still have that puddle on the ground. Mm -hmm. And that cortisol contributes to like leaching of calcium from bones. And like as ultra runners, like if you're not like close to perfect or like really on top of your nutrition, like that could lead to a stress fracture, a reaction, like, you know, later down the road, if you're doing these long hours of training and not eating enough. And so that was kind of like a wake up call for, you know, I had a, a foot fracture and I was like, huh, like, am I doing what I need to do? So it's just kind of, um, yeah, like looking at all aspects before, totally. during, after yeah. and the other parts of the day. Speaking yeah. of long runs, 
<laughs> what do you do <laughs> currently, like for your long run fueling during? Do you have, yeah. has that evolved too since your early professional running days to now? And then I know you do gravel riding <laughs> as well. So I was curious differences in your fueling approaches. Yeah. So um, earlier on, I think I was like, I was running a little bit less so I could kind of have like predominantly gels and not get sick of them. But as I've gone to, I typically would do like a, a, on average, like 200 calories an hour is usually kind of what I, what I aim for is either a combination of liquid calories, like scratch. Uh, I, I love their formulas um, and um, like a gels, right? So making sure I kind of get that in. Um, but as I've gone to longer distances and this is kind of with the gravel racing too, I still aim for that 200 calorie an hour. Um, but now I incorporate real food and, and, and Dina, you've helped me with this too. Um, specifically when you were like running overnight, um, um you need to, to have like a little bit of like that, like stimulate digestion with like saliva, like a chewing of food. So I think like the bar and gel combination is really good. Um, again, making sure I have enough electrolytes. Um, but something that's been really interesting that for now is instead of just using carbohydrates as fuel, like with, um, you know, just gels, which is predominantly what it is, uh, is incorporate something with like a little bit of protein. Um, like, a, uh, have a, like a bar with something in that protein. And, um, I mean, fat is more for satiation. You don't really use that when you're exercising, but, um, yeah, something like uh, uh, of protein because um, it helps with like wakefulness, like during um, night running. Um, but also just I think of like that satiation feeling. Um, that's something that I've that I've changed. Uh, we hear that more and more. Isn't that just like yeah. the theme? And I love that that we're kind of yeah. shifting back into that focus again. But you know, still using those engineered products when we need to for sure. Do you take any supplements, Hillary? Like a multivitamin. Um, I don't know if I categorize that as a supplement, but I have been supplementing, uh, like more protein and, um, collagen. I know that's like a type of a protein. I've been kind of experimenting with that, especially with just some of like the, the joint and ligament injuries that I've had, mm -hmm. um, reading some, some, some research about like loading up collagen or like, like gelatin kind of things pre-workout. Um, and then like, um, but yeah, the most supplement with multivitamin and, um, I like clean, um, protein shakes or this, uh, okay. yeah. When you okay. were mentioning, um, fueling per hour and things, and then that carryover into when we, when you stop training, like you're really not stopping, right. It's that, that notion, yeah. like our recovery and nutrition is part of the training. And as you I've heard you speak on as well, like teaching your athletes that mm -hmm. our recovery nutrition is part of our training and this is part of the whole process. Yeah. And I think honestly, it's like, that's where coaches or people in your life can be so influential. Like, um, it's really revisiting that topic, like, Hey, like you need to pay attention to this. And I, it's so cool when I see, especially, um, you know, my, my women athletes that I, that I coach, like changing that in their life, like prioritizing and then missing like, Holy crap. Like I'm eating more and I'm running fast. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, that's like my favorite thing. Um, but yep. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, and it's, it's like, it also helps me to kind of stay on top personally as well. 
Yes. Oh, can I just comment on that? Because I mean, Dean and I, we both work with a lot of female athletes, right? But I hear that in female and male, but it just seems to predominate more in that in the female gender where mm. it is. It's that kind of kind of skimping on calories thinking, oh, this is like, and my body doesn't need that. And I'll exercise better or perform better. And the exact opposite is actually the truth. So I, I enjoy, and I appreciate you saying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, it's not, and it's like quality, quality of the nutrition, right? Quality of the food. Um, and like that timing, like, again, it's like, you're not asking you to just like eat a Big Mac. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. It's like, <laughs> maybe sometimes after a long run, but <laughs> for um, sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Hillary. Yeah. Wow. Gosh, we, we would be so honored if you would, um, come back on our show for a part two, because we only scratched a teeny tiny part of the hilly goat surface. <laughs> I don't know. That didn't sound right. I would but, love um, that. That'd be my pleasure. <laughs> delving into more topics, we would be honored. Um, is there anything though, as we've talked a little bit about the nutrition piece, anything else you wanted to add before we transition to the last part of our interview? I think the only thing is just, you know, um, have good people around you that are like, you know, taking like, you know, yeah, or like in the current trends and, you know, really dissecting them and, and, um, being skeptical at first. And, and, um, I just think that have the more people that you have surround yourself like that, the better path that you can be on. Thank you. Uh, if you still have a few minutes, we'll do a, yep. a ha- our high five segment, just kind of rapid fire style of five questions we uh, came up with for you. <laughs> Hit me. All right. Uh, well, I'll go first. So uh, I'm curious what your favorite post-race meal is when you are doing a race in Europe. What's your go-to? Oh man, definitely like definitely savory. Um, I think I can't necessarily eat like right away, um, but something savory. So like, um, usually <laughs> it depends on when I finished, but, um, mm-hmm. so like potatoes and eggs or something like this. Um, like that's usually like, if I like the next day, like I want that, or, um, if it's something like simple, like rice and eggs and, um, or like, yeah, just something like that. And then, um, once I get my sweet stomach back again, I just love having some ice cream. <laughs> right. Love <laughs> Perfect. Well, high five question number two, Hillary, do you have an evening wind down routine? Do you have like a routine that you follow before heading to bed? And if so, what is that? Yeah. Um, I really love tea. Um, so I've been on the rooibos kick lately, but yeah, like tea and good book. All right, Hillary, we go to the same place for our strength work when you're in town anyway. So what is your favorite strength training or resistance exercise? What, what do you pick as your fave? My fave, um, I love to go to the class, but usually like deadlifts and, um, like squats are good because they work like the posterior chain. Um, and this sounds, this is weird. Um, but I am very proud that I can do pull-ups now. So that is a, fun way to to incorporate it um yeah awesome <laughs> that is not weird at all i think everybody should strive to be oh, able to yeah. do body weight pull-ups amazing <laughs> yeah. yeah perfect well number four hillary do you when you're out training long uh, whether running or cycling do you listen to music or podcasts or are you just one with your thoughts so when writing um i to listen music more um obviously if it's like one headphone um, in my ear one out. Um, but when I'm running, I never do. I, 
love to just like listen to to the the trees and like the the nature around me and so then and it's even even for cycling too like I'll if I'm up in the like gravel roads like up in the mountains like I just love listening to the wheel on dirt awesome last question Hillary if you had one piece of advice that you could give to all athletes what would that one piece of advice be oh my gosh this is hard um I think the one piece of advice that I would say is that it's a, it's a, it's just like, it says cliche, like, cause you know, it's like a marathon, not a sprint, but like your athletic journey is so much like longer than this current moment. And so I think that can give athletes permission to like, take a break. Like if they're not feeling like if there's a niggle or if there's something else going on, it's like, have that long-term perspective, like almost like I had a conversation with a friend the other day of like thinking of your future self, you know, it's like not doing things now that will like impact your health in the future. And I think that's really important for females, right? It's like, if you're losing your period and you're, you're training so hard, like that's actually, that's a marker that you, that you're not healthy in this current moment. And there are repercussions that that will have later in the future. Um, you know, a year, five, 10 from now. So I think it's that is like, just like be in it for the long haul. Like your athletic journey is more than just this current run or ride or strength routine that you're doing today. It's a great message. And I think you, you live it, you lived it. And I think it's just a good message to spread that, you know, things change throughout our athletic journeys as we age, as we do different things and, you know, listen to your body, respect your body. That's, I love that advice for sure. So we, I mean, Hillary, we so appreciate you having on and we're going to put all these great references in our show notes, your out and back book. I think everybody should, should definitely pick up a copy uh, extreme. I mean, such a great, such a great book and a great story. And I don't know, you know, I think, I think like Dina said, I'd love to have you on a second time and maybe even a third, fourth time, just to kind of keep updated on what, what Hillary is doing and kind of how your year and years are progressing. So we just want to thank you from the bottom of our heart from, uh, you know, joining us today and uh, just being a, a great guest today on our episode. All right. Well, thank you, Dina. I think we'll go ahead and wrap up listeners. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode and remember eat to train and nourish to thrive. We hope you enjoyed our episode number 76, that conversation with Hillary Allen. Such a fun chat. We have so much more to learn about the Hilly Goat. And if you want to check out uh, Hillary's website, go to hillaryallen.com. You'll find her schedule, her blog, um, her coaching services, and you can also find the links to purchase the book out and back, which is well worth the read and I highly recommend. So thank you, Hillary, for joining us for that episode. And stay tuned for next week's episode. We've got another fun interview with Rose Wetzel, who is a professional obstacle course racer. And so we get to hear more about her background, how she got into OCR, and what her nutrition and health strategies are. That one is coming up next week, so be sure to join us. And hey, if you have a sports nutrition question, you can drop that over at hello at insidesportsnutrition.com or visit our website. You'll find a link to submit a question. We love your support in promoting our podcast. It does mean the world to us and helps us grow our listenership. So if you have a minute to give us a five-star rating on your podcast platform of choice, that is awesome. 
And if you feel so inclined to share a link to one of your recent favorite episodes on your social media, that is also appreciated. Our handle on Instagram is ISN Podcast. So we'd love to connect with you there and follow along. Thank you so much for that. And if you'd like to learn more about our individual uh, respective coaching and testing services and the nutrition work that we do, you can find Bob over at energyperformance.com, E-N-R-G performance.com, or myself, Dina, over at nutritionmechanic.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the hosts and the guests involved and do not represent a replacement for medical consultation with your doctor. The information and opinions provided here are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease or medical condition. This podcast is for information, education, and entertainment purposes only.